Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Early on in my journey, I just sat down and got to know actual LGBT people just to listen to their stories. Not to listen to refute or listen to debate, but, but just to listen in order to understand. That was Preston Sprinkle, who we're going to hear from in the next half hour. Hey, thanks for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and we're in the month of June, which, among other things, has been dubbed LGBTQ Pride Month. Our more secularized culture has been shifting quickly on the issue of human sexuality since the 1960s, and especially since the 2015 Supreme Court Obergefell decision legalizing gay marriage in the United States. What was once not even part of the public discussion is now normalized and celebrated. And since then, the debate has moved far beyond gay marriage to the rise of transgenderism, especially among our nation's youth. We plan to talk more about transgenderism next week. Now, this fast LGBTQ shift has been a struggle for the church since much of this movement goes against centuries of teaching about human sexuality and God's good created order. And the issue is not just outside our churches. There are those who struggle at a personal level with sexual attractions that are not in accord with the biblical understanding of human sexuality. So how do we love these people well while still upholding God's truth about a flourishing human sexuality? Gabe, that's where we want to take our discussion today on the show. And with that, we want to go back to a panel discussion from the 2019 Q Conference, as they were called back then, for what the Q community said was a very helpful discussion. We always ask our participants at the end of Q, what was their talk that that shifted their thinking a little bit more than they had expected? Or was just the talk that they said, this was the most important talk this year? And so the talk that came back as being the most important was the one we did on faith, sex, and gender. And it was a panel conversation hosted by our good friend, Preston Sprinkle. And Dr. Preston Sprinkle, he leads the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And he pulled together an amazing panel where we had three different people representing three different perspectives. Our friend, Dr. Preston Sprinkle, who leads the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, hosted a panel conversation that I cannot wait for you to hear. Features three different people, three different perspectives, but it allowed everybody at Q to sit in the seat of someone else who's experienced different types of attractions and had to really try to process that through the lens of what does faithfulness look like? It's a very difficult conversation to have. It's a very authentic, honest one to have, especially in a public space amongst many people who they didn't even know. But I think we were all just so blown away and so appreciated their authenticity, their willingness to go there, to talk about a topic that in many places right now, it can't be discussed. But at Q, we were going to ensure it was discussed. And it was discussed with respect, love, kindness. And I think as we all walked away, we were better for it. And so let's listen in now to the top-rated talk at Q 2019. So when I started to engage this conversation of faith, sexuality, and gender several years ago, I just have to admit that I 
that I started to engage it as simply a, an issue to solve, uh, a debate to win, a theological argument to, to win the other person over. And early on in my journey, I just sat down and got to know actual LGBT people just to listen to their stories, not, not to listen to refute or listen to debate, but, but just to listen in order to understand, listen in order to love. And I, I honestly can tell you that my life was just really transformed through that. Story after story, person after person, I found my, my heart just absolutely changed, and it just forever reshaped how I engaged this conversation. And so now... Still, I'm a, I'm a Bible uh, guy. I love to study the Bible, and I think the Bible's super important in this conversation. But if we get the Bible right and get love wrong, we're wrong. And we're not going to learn how to love. We're not going to learn how to love until we learn how to listen. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. So I want to just have a conversation with some of my friends. So thanks for being here and uh, being willing to talk about super personal stuff in front of 2,000 strangers. Um, <laughs> Matt, you look like you're ready to talk. So tell us a what? bit about your uh, tell us a bit about your journey. Yeah, um, I am gay, same sex attracted. I like boys, and um, what's more important is that I love Jesus, and Jesus loves me. And I haven't always known that because, as a child, I was always made fun of and bullied and ostracized a lot for being sensitive, for being artistic and yet being a boy and this bullying came from inside and outside of the church which really made me upset at Jesus and then also when I came out to the church pastors in my very conservative church you could imagine they were all thrilled and, um, and so for a long time I thought God hated me and that he was waiting for me to just with a flick of my wrist or with one impure thought you know send me straight to hell but it took me to get to college to hear of the true good news that that God loves me so much that he came and died for me and that I am not an exception to this love and so that has transformed me and it's beautified my life so regarding my same-sex attractions I believe through <laughs> a lot of meditation and revelation and personal revelation through scripture and a lot of wrestling I mean Jacob and the angel what wrestling I believe He's called me to not have sex in this life. I believe that for me because that is what the maker says is best for this creation. So he says is best for me. And I trust him, you know? I, he loves me so much when my physical eyes see it, when they don't see it. And um, without sex, I lack some physical things. But without Jesus, I lack everything. So... Um, history better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere, and I can testify to that through a lot of experience. <laughs> Thank you for being so, yeah, transparent and honest. I have some more questions about the whole celibacy thing. We'll come back to that, but let's uh, get to know Lori. Lori, tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you. So I was born into a Christian home, an amazing Christian home, and I also was born with this God-shaped hole in my heart. Maybe you guys have heard allusions to that. And inside there, there's these good needs that God put in there before the fall for things like purpose and belonging and to be seen. But I was also born, like all of you, post-fall. And so, because of the fall of man, I was born now with this natural predisposition 
or natural defaults or natural orientation to get the good needs of my heart met in ways that don't actually satisfy me and don't glorify God. And so for me, there's multiple ways that that came about, like performing or people-pleasing. And for me, that was in same-sex sexual relationships to women. And growing up, when I would feel these attractions, I would also overhear this, like, gay agenda talk and this war on marriage. And in order to survive some of that, I, I, I didn't surrender it to Jesus. I, I physically, like, fragmented myself so I wouldn't feel that othering until college, and I met another woman who felt the same way about me as I did about her. And I came to a point where I was so wrestling through all of this that I was either going to kill myself or come out in this fiery glory. In that mess, someone came alongside me, and she discipled me. And she didn't lead with Leviticus. She led with unconditional love representing the one whose name is love. And that love that she embodied, showing me Christ helped remove some of these barriers between those good needs and the one whose name is love, the ultimate need meter of my soul. And do you know what love does? Love empowers us not to become straight. Is that the goal of our lives? <laughs> love empowers us to surrender ourselves to Christ. And so every day I surrender my natural defaults, and that led to me to a, a marriage, me, my life, to a marriage to a man, and then baby in a baby carriage, which will meet him in about another month. <laughs> you know, when I, when I hear you talk about this hole in your heart, I mean, it just makes me think, like, that's not a, a gay or same-sex attracted thing. That's just a human thing. Like, we, we all, on some level, have both a broken sexuality and a desperate need to be loved by God. And so that hole in your heart is the same hole in, in my heart, even though we have different experiences. Uh, Kat, tell us about your journey. I identify as transgender. And so I use this term just to describe the disconnection that I feel from my biological sex and how I feel on the inside. So I was born and raised in a Christian home, but I always felt a little bit different. Uh, when I would see a poster or a magazine cover, I found myself identifying with the male um, in, in the picture. So when I grow up, I want to be like that guy. So um, in high school and college, that disconnection, I drew my own conclusion that God must be really displeased with me because I wasn't embracing the femininity that I saw my peers embracing. And so I made a decision to leave the church. I would just do myself and everyone else a favor and just leave. So that launched into a 10-year serial dating period of my life where I sought to get those needs of my heart met through women and, and dating women for those 10 years. But after 10 years, something was still missing. And so I decided to go back to church. And it was in church that I found God is calling me to no longer be a slave to fear, but to be his child, to no longer be a slave to the fear that I feel when I go into a women's restroom or when I hang out with kids and they ask me, are you a boy or a girl? That God was calling me because he has beautifully and wonderfully made me and that he has intentionally designed me, even with this disconnection, to uniquely glorify him. So I'm all in. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. We're going to come back. Uh, Lori and Kat have an interesting relationship, how they got to know each other. We're going to hear about that. But first, I want to know about this celibacy thing, because we live in a culture both inside and outside the church that is just really 
fascinated with marriage and sex. And sometimes our culture, I think especially in the church, can make people feel like they're second-class citizens if they not haven't arrived at marriage, you know. And then now you're kind of interrupting all that by saying, I feel called to celibacy, but that can't be easy. Can you share just briefly some, maybe one major high and one low of your life trajectory? Yeah, you know, it's not all glamorous, I'll say. <laughs> Very recently, I had a really bad health scare. I had a seizure. It was at that point that I realized how much I was lacking because I didn't have a significant other who could call into work and take care of me because my brain had just did a full medical reset and I was too tired to even make my own food. And so that is one big low <laughs>、um, that I was always afraid of and it seemed to manifest itself. But it's hard to find a high. Society hasn't made it easy. Uh, for me to find any highs, but I will say there is a high in obedience. In that obedience comes availability, comes hospitality, comes genuine love and spiritual listening. And I will say my testimony has helped a lot of marginalized people find Jesus to be an option for them and to be truth for them. Like I work a lot in LGBT.、Um, Fields such as the theater and in the arts. And a lot of them are shocked when they find out that I'm a Christian because they, they have such awful experiences with Jesus in the past. And my joy is always when I get to be like, Well, do you like me? And they're like, Yeah, Matt, you rock. And like, Well, then you'd love Jesus because all I do is live my life as an example of what he did. So it's a joy to show them who Jesus really is. Real quick, well,、I'll When the times when you are invited into the homes or lives of a nuclear family, just what does that feel like?、Um, sometimes it's as bad as being a fifth wheel to a four member family, but other times there are those who really have taken hospitality in Jesus' name. And in Mark 10 29, when it says, Therefore, those who give up brothers, sisters, families, and And homes for me will not fail to receive in this life and the one to come ten times the amount of the same things. I'm paraphrasing here. It's true. Like, I can think of so many friends who, when I share them my walk with Christ, they have opened up their homes to me. One time I visited my friend in Mississippi, of all places, New York to Mississippi, Jackson. <laughs> and um, they, um, she, I went to visit him because he had known my testimony. He's one of my very good friends. And then, He had all, like, there were his friends who wanted to hang out with me the whole time I was there. They, they were all hanging out with me. There was, when one friend left, another one came. And then when he dropped me off at the airport, he said, I had told my friends your testimony and how you were living for Christ and that you were giving up your attractions to live for Christ. And they were also inspired and they wanted to spend time with you, make sure that you didn't feel lonely. And so that is some real hospitality right there.、So. Wow, that's powerful.、Uh, Lori, yeah, why don't you start? How did you meet Kat? And then I want to hear it from Kat's perspective because this is really interesting how you hear both perspectives. So I was going to church and I saw Kat come to church with her girlfriend. And God had been working on my heart and saying, Lori, you don't get to just talk about this stuff from the stage and wait for people to come to you to walk alongside them. You need to reach out and love. And so when I saw Kat and her girlfriend, the Holy Spirit just prompted me with something to say. And I said, Hey, I want you to know that every time you come to church, I would love to save a seat for you and your girlfriend to sit with me and my family. And in that moment, I wasn't like, Kat's gonna be my future convert or disciple. I saw Kat as a future disciple maker. 
Because if Kat was made in the image of God, then God has called her to build this thing called the kingdom alongside us and next to us. We needed her on the team. And so I started reaching out and we started meeting. And, and here's, here's the deal. She, she reached out to me like a couple months after that and said, hey, I'm so tired of what the world says that I am. I want to know what God says. Will you start meeting? Will you meet with me? It's like, yeah. <laughs> now here's a little secret. I don't know everything about gender, but I do know the gospel. And I knew that no matter how Kat was wrestling, at the core of who she was, Jesus was who she needed, just as he is who I, every day I need. And so without fear or hesitation, I bought her dinner. All right, Kat, pick it up from there. <laughs> yeah, so um, I reached a point in my journey where I was either going to transition to male, or I was going to find some really good coping mechanisms to um, combat the dysphoria waves that were hitting that I would see in the mirror. And so I was seeking a non-Christian counselor, and I thought we would go through like masculinity and femininity because I knew my definitions of those were warped. And we didn't really, we didn't go there. It seemed to be really simplistic transition, that it was just a switch in order to get my gender identity aligned and in congruence, it was to transition to male. And so I felt extremely unloved in that moment. I was like, oh, you don't want to know my heart. You don't, you don't want to see my warped definition. We just want to fix it. But I knew enough. I had researched enough to know that it probably wasn't that easy and that simple. And so um, when she approached me, I immediately forgot the name of the ministry, forgot her name. Um, but after that unloving experience, I reached out to her. Um, and I, I asked the question, what does God think about my gender? And so that has started this mentor relationship where we dig into what does God think about masculinity? What does God think about femininity? And where do I fit? And how do I fit? And it's, it's been painful. The other thing, she sat in the puddle. I don't think my counselor was willing to sit in the puddle, but Lori was. So we sat in the mess and we got to unpack and cry. The amount of times that we've cried together, it's, it's been amazing. So in short, she's ripped the veil off of who Jesus Christ is. And she's invited me into a relationship. Yes, like disciple making. That's my story. Thank you so much. And I want each of you to um, just one last, just in 30 seconds. How can the church best love you and you and you, starting with Matt? I think exactly what Kat said right there. Sit in the puddle with us without judgment. Because um, I don't need you when I come to you with just telling you how lonely I am or how much struggling I'm going through. I don't need you to teach me theology. I mean, I'm choosing not to have sex because Jesus told me to. I think my theology is pretty sound. <laughs> but um, what I do need is what I do need is a friend who will tell me you're going to make it through the night. That when you wake up, you're going to be you're going to wake up and you're going to keep breathing. You're going to get through it. I mean, because I have so many friends, Christian, non-Christian, who when I tell them like, oh, I'm really feeling lonely, they're going they just do. <gasps> okay, let's, let's figure out some scripture I can throw at you. But the ones who really show me God's love is the one that goes, oh, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here with you. That's what I need. Lord. Amen. You know, I would say get equipped 
Know what you believe and why, so that you can join us on stages like these. Because every day we're battling our own flesh. We're battling the church in some ways. We're battling the world in some ways. And we are battling the enemy of our souls that doesn't want us to get on stages like these. So can you please get equipped and not let us battle alone and don't fight we're not fighting flesh and blood enemies, dear siblings in Christ. We are fighting the evil rulers and principalities of this dark world that say, that, yes, amen, yeah. that say to us every day, your sin is either the worst or it's not sin at all. And so please come alongside us and say to a broken and beloved church, these broken and beloved people belong here too and are called to be warriors alongside us too. Thank you guys so much. And I just, um, you, you three and other friends that we all have, I, I've learned so much about sexuality and gender through you guys, but most of all, I've learned so much about Jesus through your walk. So thank you so much for modeling Christ to me. If you're like me, I know you appreciate it. Just getting to hear these stories. I mean, it brings tears to your eyes, helps you have compassion and understanding and empathy, which we need more of this in our world to just understand these different perspectives. I know the leaders at Q felt that way, and I hope it's done the same for you. Definitely. Well, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, and we're focusing on loving those who struggle with sexual desires that are outside of God's good created order, as presented in the Bible and centuries of Christian teaching. Loving them well while still trusting God's plans and purposes. As we mentioned, the panel discussion led there by Preston Sprinkle was from 2019, just three years ago. And since that time, the transgender movement has exploded globally, especially among young women. We'll talk more about that next week. But this week, as we talk about loving well those in the LGBTQ community, one of the contentious issues around especially transgenderism has to deal with the issue of the use of pronouns. How do we lovingly navigate this? Well, when Preston was in Nashville for the 2022 Culture Summit, we had him come into a little booth and answer a few questions like the issue of pronouns. So let's listen to his advice on this contentious issue. Should Christians use preferred pronouns for trans people? There are good people on both sides of this debate. Um, some of my friends will say, no, I won't use pronouns that don't match somebody's biological sex and uh, their big thing is um, you know I feel like I'm lying to them if a female wants to be called he him and I agree and I do that I call this female he him then I feel like I'm lying to them I don't think it's necessarily lying um, the other viewpoint is what a, what a friend of mine Greg Coles has called pronoun hospitality like could we, whether we agree or disagree with their pronoun use, can we meet them where they're at? Can we be hospitable even in disagreement and use their pronouns? And that's the view that I would recommend. Um, I do think language is flexible. So, you know, if there's uh, person A over here, so I'll be person A over here, and, and I believe pronouns should match your biological sex, and that's true. I think that's right. But person B over here thinks that pronouns should match your gender identity, not your biological sex, but your internal sense of who you are, your personal identity. Now, I could disagree with all of that, but 
language is shared social space. So when I use language, I'm reflecting my worldview. When this person uses language, it's, the ref, it's reflecting their worldview. Am I going to require that wherever I go, people must use the language that reflects my worldview? No. I'm not, and we, none of us do that all the time. So um, since language is shared social space, I think it's okay to say, okay, I have my worldview and I can't, I'm not going to change that, but I can meet person B where they're at and use the pronouns that reflect their worldview, even if I totally disagree with that worldview. So I'll, I'm going to say on a very general level, yes, I'm going to use someone's pronouns. Now, the only caveat I might give is if you're a parent with a younger kid, early teen, maybe even pre-adolescent that is wanting to be called by a different pronoun. Um, in some of those cases, um, I think I think case-by-case case basis here, but in some cases there it might be beneficial for a parent not to use uh, the child's pronoun. Um, sometimes using, well, pronouns are a form of social transitioning. And when it comes to younger people, when someone in authority affirms their social transitioning, that can sometimes and oftentimes lead to hormonal transitioning and surgical transitioning later. And that's where I'm going to really want to put the brakes on. I don't think teenagers should transition. Um, I don't think that's wise, whether you're a Christian or not. So um, as a parent, I do think you have um, the right to say, no, I'm not going to use your preferred pronouns. But like, I can't stress this enough. That has to be in the context of a hyper loving, listening, understanding relationship. So if you don't have that with your kid and then you also don't use their pronoun, you're probably just going to keep pushing and pushing them away. And I want to make sure I lay a thick foundation for a solid relationship with my kid. I know some families wrestling through this very issue. That was Preston Sprinkle offering his advice on pronouns and the transgender movement. Now, the questions and issues around the churches and, yes, our personal responses to these issues need serious thought. And that's why, Gabe, you and the team do what you do with the various Q events and the Q media platform. We have a lot of discussions up there right now to help us do what the church has done for centuries, engaging issues thoughtfully. Christians are thoughtful. Christians can engage the world in a way that's thoughtful, that's creative, that's innovative, that's leading. We don't just have to react. We don't just have to be defensive. We have some of the best ideas because they've proven out over time to be the best ideas that lead people to flourish. And so I hope you'll spread them. That's why Q Ideas exists. So go to qideas.org. And until that next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.